0: When I came here to the United States, I didn't find a reason that I have to go out and explain what I'm doing or what my culture or my religion, because we live in a country that gives you the freedom to do that.
1: Welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America, an immigrant human library, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our Immigrant Human Library. Hello, listeners, and thanks for joining in on another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Today, we have another interesting story to add to our Immigrant Human Library. We have, as for a second time joining us on the show, Maha Hafez Witherington. Welcome, Maha. Thank you, Simon. It is a pleasure to be with you for the second time. It's my pleasure to have you back and to talk about a very interesting topic that of, you know, this month I know recently Ramadan began, right? That's correct. I think for April it's Arab American Heritage Month and Ramadan is pretty big in the Muslim community and so I wanted to have a conversation for for one to expand my perspective and view of of the world because I don't know anything much aside from what you see in the media and I wanted to get a first-hand account from someone who has perhaps experienced it firsthand so hence our conversation today so remind our listeners Maha where you're from how long you've been here in the United States
0: I'm from Alexandria Egypt I have been here in the United States for the last 33 years, and I came to the United States because I married an American, and after his assignment was over in my homeland, we moved to the United States. So it's been a long, nice journey.
1: I know you were retired, but have... Since gone back to uh, working again, uh, post-retirement, yeah? So you're busy as (laughs) ever, too.
0: Yes, you kind of figured that I'm a person who cannot sit still. I have to be doing something. And I sure did retire after 30... I mean, it's a long time. Since 1988, I joined government service. I served the United States government pretty much everywhere overseas, 2016, I retired, I was doing a lot of volunteer work, and then comes the pandemic, we stayed home for two years, which was really bad for me. And then after the pandemic, I decided, uh, no, I cannot do this, I need to do something. So federal service attracted me again, and I rejoined. I
1: wanted to have the conversation then about the culture and practice and and everything, et cetera, about, you know, what is it like to be a Muslim in America, if you will, right? What was it like in your country prior to coming? And how has that experience changed for you as you've either traveled for the U.S. government or adapted to being, you know, here in the United States?
0: Absolutely. I mean, if we go back and we, I recall my time in Alexandria, Egypt, in Egypt in general, Egypt is a very diverse country. It's a country with the most population and the religion practiced there is Islam. And Islam is a word that means peace. And the other 25%, 30% 25 30% are Egyptian Coptics. And as a child growing up in Egypt, we never, honestly never, differentiated between religions. What's your uh, belief? What's your name of your uh, religion? It was always, we worship one God, just one God. And the practices and the lessons and the teachings of that God which is pretty much the same all over the world, whether it's in Alexandria, Egypt, or anywhere else. And I'm speaking now for Maha personally and how Maha grew up. So it was a God that we all worshipped and we followed his teaching, which are respect, hard work, peace, love, care, giving, so we lived, I grew up, as I mentioned to you before, in a Catholic school in Alexandria, Egypt for 12 years. And it was the Sacred Heart Girls' School. Uh, by nature, I'm a person who likes very much to know about everything. I like to be educated on everything. So I know. So, the culture was very diverse. We celebrated Ramadan, of course, and we celebrated all the Muslim feasts and practices along with all others. We exchanged gifts, we exchanged cookies with our neighbors, we went to their weddings in their churches, they came to our weddings. There was always this harmony, this love, this understanding. I know that over the years, and particularly nowadays, things have changed a lot, but yet people like me and many others are always there to promote the word Muslim, the word Islam, and to always promote peace. During the month of Ramadan, you know, all the countries who celebrate Ramadan in the Arab world and in the Muslim world, it differs from one place to the other the culture differs, the, the breaking the fast differs. The breaking the fast is called iftar. What does iftar mean? Iftar means breakfast, like our breakfast in the morning. Because you sleep all night, you wake up in the morning, and you haven't eaten anything, and this is when you break your fast. So it was the same with this word iftar, breakfast in Arabic, and breaking the fast. And it's something that happens from sunrise to sunset, and the whole idea about Ramadan and why we fast is to feel for others who don't have, to appreciate what you have, to never say, I like this food or I don't like this food. No, to appreciate everything and to eat everything, to know what it means that there are people around the world who don't have this food, and on a daily basis, they don't have a sunset, to break their fast, too, because they're suffering and they don't have food. It also teaches you patience, and it teaches you how to take care of your health and your system from the daily practices we do the other 11 months. Ramadan also is fasting. Yes, I understand. And it's fasting from, as I mentioned, sunrise to sunset. But it is not for everyone. It is not that you must fast or you have to fast. Because there are many, many situations and many cases where people cannot do it. And that situation could be anything from medical problems, health issues. You can't. The whole idea is to be fasting and learn how to be patient. To be fasting and to be around other people who are eating or drinking and to control yourself. And if you cannot do that, then you don't need to fast there are other things, there are other compensations you can do. And these compensations are, if I can't fast and I cannot do it, there are so many other things to do. There are charities to give. There are people who are fasting that you can help every day, break their fast with a nice meal. So, you know, it is not that harsh idea you have about Oh, you have to fast. Oh, they fast from sunrise to sunset. So there are exceptions. And I think or some of the people I would say I have met do not understand that. And uh, I personally have medical conditions and I don't fast. But I love to celebrate. I love the month. I love to celebrate it. I love to eat the special food during this time of, of the year. I like the holiness of the month. So um I want to say again it takes us back to the word peace peaceful forgiving and uh, this is what is, Islam is all about.
1: I uh, so I'm wondering from my uh, reading and coming and having conversation I get a sense, for for example, in a country that's considered Islamic, it's also very ingrained in the culture, like it's not just a religious thing. Because you could basically have people who may not be a practicing Muslim, but it becomes a part of their culture. They may be, like you say, maybe
0: Coptic. Uh, is it Coptic Christian you said earlier? Uh, yes, the, uh, the Coptic Christians, the Orthodox, and, uh, and they do have similar practices like in the Muslim world. But, you know, like for instance, Lent. Not every Coptic in Egypt does Lent. Okay. Because, or not everyone gives up something to, in order to say, okay, I'll do, and I'll give up, let's say chocolate, for instance. But deep inside them, they are good people. It's not because you're not practicing or you're not doing this particular ritual that you're not a good person, you know? And of course, I am speaking from my experience and my personal experience in my Hometown and my homeland. But of course, there are stricter, and I have read and I have seen and I have lived in other places where those practices are different. They are done differently, they are observed differently, they are uh, practiced differently. So it, it is different from one place to the other. Just saying that it is something you have to do, you know, I would like to tell you from the experience of a person who knows about her religion, who is deeply a peaceful person, that Islam is a, a religion and its practices are based on peace, not based on a lot of other things we see. In, and, and fanatics, you know, there are fanatics everywhere. There are really, really people who are strict and everywhere. So the more we promote this, the more we talk about this, the more we will get to understand this. So
1: tell us, what what are some of the celebrations that take us through like a typical month, our day of Ramadan? Because, you know, literally, I thought, And I I remember thinking to myself as a younger person, how can they fast for 30 days? And then I learned recently that you actually, you're not even drinking water. It's no water. It's nothing. Nothing. Yes, nothing. Right. So it's a real, fully fast from everything. And it was inconceivable for me to think that somebody could go that long for 30 days without eating. And so now I'm
0: learning that it's only from... Sun up to sun down. Of course. And, you know, as kids, we always, you know, we built all those stories and all those imaginations, and we're allowed to do that. But the thing is, yes, it is from... So what happens on a typical Ramadan day? And I'm talking and I'm explaining when I was at home young because it was a big deal. It was a time of happiness. Consider a Christmas here. You know, consider Christmas around the world. And by the way, in Egypt, we do celebrate Christmas, and I celebrate Christmas. And it is a big time for us. We never mention the name Jesus without saying, Jesus, peace be upon him. Okay? Right, because okay. we do believe in Jesus and, and, and all his teachings. So anyway, a typical day it's it's before it starts before the month starts there are lots and lots of preparations. Food and sweets, special food, special sweets, special treats, special bakings, special uh, exchange of food between people, special exchange of happiness and uh, uh, extended invitations, the whole city or town is lit, is happy, is full of lights, it's full of brightness. So the day starts as soon as the sun sets. So this will be the last thing you drink or eat. And a typical fasting day is anywhere between eight and and then goes up, depending on which part of the world you are at. But I remember at home, it was roughly eight hours, okay, from sunrise to sunset. And uh, it was always so nice when you uh, walk in the house and smell the food, and we all cannot wait together around the table and wait until the sun sets. And then there is a cannon, like the, the old cannons back in the old days, you know, a cannon that just kind of boom and then this is you hear the prayer call and then you just sit down and the whole family gathers around a beautiful table and start eating and before you start all this you just say a little prayer about how thankful we are how thankful that we were able and God gave us the patience and the strength to fast to conduct our daily work without complaining, without crying, without whining, without sleeping. You just do you the day as every day you do it. Nothing changes. And I know that Some places and some people don't do it this way because I know a lot of people just go to sleep and say, oh, I'll wake up to eat. No, this is this is not Ramadan. (laughs) No, (laughs) this is not Ramadan, you guys. Ramadan is (laughs) self-control. (laughs) <laughs> and and like I say, I'm a person who is very, very, I know how to control myself. I know how to do a lot of things. I'm strong by nature, but it is not for everyone. That's why we have that license to do other things to compensate because you're not fasting. So it's still pe- very peaceful. So anyway, we sit around the table, we eat special juices, special drinks, special foods and we enjoy all that. The TV shows are wonderful, are very nice, because they are different during this month. And then, of course, the spiritual life is very, very different. Special prayers and special praise to the Lord and special lending a hand, giving a hand to others, giving a hand to the needy. It's all about giving. And not just the 30 days. It may be intense in those 30 days, double, tripled, but this is something that Islam and as a Muslim, this is what we were taught. This is what I was taught at home and at school and in my daily upbringing. We always have to extend the hand. We always have to give. So you can imagine only 30 days a year, you get that beautiful month to do more of that to add to what you do on a daily basis uh, throughout the year. And then the evenings after the spiritual uh, life and the spiritual practices and after prayers and after praising God, uh, there are a lot of um, meetings at homes, at clubs, in uh, special places, at restaurants where people just sit and have a nice casual family friend meeting. And then late at night, prior to going to bed, there is something called suhoor. Suhoor is like a late dinner. This late dinner is your last meal before you sleep. So in the morning when you get up, you just start your fasting. And normally this suhoor, of course, it's not for everyone because I know a lot of people who eat a lot of nice heavy foods, but all what you need to have in that suhoor or in that last meal before you go to sleep and start the breaking of the start the fast in the morning is a yogurt, a glass of water, a cup of tea, and that's it. And then the day starts again and the day starts again for the next 30 days and it just keeps getting better every day and uh, and after the 30 days are over and the month is over and the moon is observed the new moon then it's declared a time to celebrate the celebrations are for three days and we celebrate by baking a lot of cookies um, they have a lot of powdered sugar on top, many other cookies, so many different cookies, dates, uh, figs, dry fruit, and you start exchanging. You ex- start exchanging with your neighbors, extending a plate to your. Uh, loved ones, you go visit someone, you take it with you because it is so important in the culture and in the country I grew up in, you never go and you never visit anyone empty hand. And it's always nice when you do a baked goods, it's something which is done at home, home baked. So that's pretty much the celebrations. The kids are always in new clothes, new shoes, new hair ribbons, new suits, toys, money, just balloons. They go out and celebrate in parks. They go out and celebrate in clubs. So it's just, it's just a beautiful time. Just beautiful. Okay, so the kids are getting like gifts. Is this at Iftar or is this throughout the month? No, this is, um, um, at iftar, when, if you, let's say you're invited, and, or you're coming to, I'm going to your house to have iftar there, which is breaking fast, always you walk in with something, and that something is, is <laughs> has to be food related, either a baked, good. Or a cake, or maybe a dish, but you take something with you, or maybe a little something for the house, like flowers in a nice vase, a chocolate. There is always gift related. We do have beautiful chocolate chops and beautiful chocolates in uh, in Egypt. But during the feast, which is after Ramadan, the three days after Ramadan, this is when the kids get a lot of gifts like toys and new clothes and things that they want. They just like, what do you want? And we call this three-day period Eid. Eid means feast, E-I-D in English, E-I-D, Eid and it means feast the feast so this is how they celebrate and how they have fun and they run and they go to the parks and they ride and they go on rides and swings and they go to amusement parks and and of course schools are closed during that time and uh, just a beautiful time of the year
1: i'm just trying to be clear and i can imagine my listeners are wondering when you say iftar That iftar happens basically every day that you're breaking the fast. So it's not at the end of the thirty. The end of the thirty is Eid, is E I D where you after three days, then you guys have a huge celebration at the end of celebrating the end of the thirty days. Exactly.
0: Every day you do an eight hour, 10 hour, depending on where you are of fasting. And you start that fasting at sunrise and you don't eat anything until the sun sets. So, and then after that, you break your fast, which is breakfast fast, iftar, uh, with a beautiful uh, meal, a table full of good food. And then uh, you enjoy the evening. You have a light meal before you go to bed at night, cup of yogurt, tea. And then after that, you start again in the morning at sunrise and do the same thing. And then you eat and so on. And the whole month is kind of goes around and around food. (laughs) So, but you do not fast the 30 days without eating. And I think after three days, you'll be gone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And then plus you, because you don't drink water during the fasting period too, that would be impossible. But this was just me as a young person trying to make sense of the 30 day fast, you know?
0: On a more uh, serious note, again, if you think about it, fasting really helps the body. Helps the body. It cleanses the body as well. And if you see sometimes when you're going for a surgery or you're going to see a doctor, you fast, right? You fast and they say come fasting, do not eat anything from, uh, let's say midnight until your procedure, whatever procedure it is, is over. And this is because you want to completely cleanse your body and you want to go there and just do your procedure. And, and this also teaches us how to be, you know, and we do it, we do it sometimes when we go to the doctors. So, and it just also, makes your body much, much healthier, much healthier than just putting food in, you know, 24 hours a day. And it's only a month, only a month for eight or 10 hours. I don't think is that much, but it's not for everyone, uh, Simon. It's yes. not for everyone. And that's why we're given that wonderful license from God. If you can't do it, you're not obligated to do it, but there are other things you can do. And okay. to compensate that. And to highlight
1: what you're uh, emphasizing there, I, I learned from a friend recently, she was explaining that during the month, if there's a, a, a woman that's going through her monthly cycle, that she's exempt, for example, or she could take those days off and then make it up at the end of the fast. So it's not as strict or restrictive as some people might perceive it to be.
0: No, no and and if you are if you if you're pregnant or if you're nursing or if you're sick or if he's an under certain medical condition you can't uh, you can't force little kids to to fast because they're kids they can't right. do that mm-hmm. so there are a lot of restrictions on fasting uh, under certain circumstances and situations it just sounds very fun, actually. I I had no
1: idea you guys had so much celebration built yes. into the whole idea, of and course. that you, you there's a lot of gathering and family time together and exchanges of food and so forth. So it's good to get that perspective, uh, and I'm sure the kids. It's it, like you said, it's their Christmas time, like how big Christmas yes. here in the U.S. Right? Yes, exactly. Right. So then it comes to what has it been like then for you living in a different country, a different world that is primarily a Christian country? How does that play out for you? Do you feel like you have that freedom to go to your, to practice your religion culturally to just express yourself as freely as you'd like?
0: Yes. Yes. I, I must say, I mean, the thing is I lived pretty much all my life and my career in different countries and in foreign countries away from Egypt because of my work or my travels or what, whatever reason I was traveling for. So I saw a lot of cultures. I come from a background and a culture that wherever I am, I have to respect the culture of that country. Okay? And I always, wherever I went, I inserted myself in this country as I'm their guest. Okay. Let's not talk about America now. I'll tell you about America later. So one of the countries, for instance, I lived in and I had to work there was Saudi Arabia and it's the Middle East and they practice the same practices we do. And they are a Muslim country, but you know, their practices are completely different. And yeah. I had to respect those. Yes. every Like I said, every culture, it's a culture. They do it differently. When I came here to the United States, I didn't find a reason that I have to go out and explain what I'm doing or what my culture or my religion, because we live in a country that gives you the freedom to do that. So I didn't see it as uh, something, if anyone wants to know about it, if anyone wants to talk about it, great. And then mind you, 35 years ago or so, there was not that much exposure to the Middle East and the culture of the Middle East and the culture culture of other countries as it is now because of the huge diversity we have now in the United States and a lot of different cultures are coming here. It, it is getting a little bit more known now that there are um, Muslim practices and there are different religions and there are people from so many different countries, you know. So I didn't find uh, difficulty at all. I lived in D.C. for 11 years. And in, in the 11 years I lived in D.C. and I was right there in the Pentagon. And we did have a Muslim community, a Muslim practices, a place for Muslims to pray. There was an iftar every year at the Pentagon, annual iftar inside the Pentagon with the colleagues and with the secretaries and with the attachés and the Muslim community in D.C. So no one ever felt a stranger, you know, the food and the practices and they did the whole thing in front of a diverse group of people. So it was really, really nice and empowering. And then now we do have a lot of interfaith groups where we can talk and we can understand each other. I can tell you about my practice. You can tell me about your practice. And like I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, Simon, we all kneel to the same God. I don't have my own God and they don't have their own God. We have one. He created us all. And as long as you believe in that, I think this is how you can live peacefully, no matter what practice you are uh, practicing or religion. That's good. That's
1: good to hear. I think a lot of times what we get from the press is some of the news bites from, you know, we hear about Afghanistan and uh, women's rights being taken away and yes. them not being able to go to school and to do certain things they have to be fully covered wearing a hijab or is it a burqa and so forth and so i, I that's what we get so it's exactly. Um, it's exactly it's it's quite refreshing to hear that there is a, another part of the muslim world where people have freedoms and that you're not necessarily commanded or Uh, there is a must that you must do Ramadan no matter what. Right. So
0: that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you have, again, again, it's a different countries, different cultures. And yes, they do. They do. And we see it. And we, as women, women in Egypt are extremely strong, extremely educated, extremely reached high positions in the government and in law and in everything. And things have changed tremendously for them. And this is what they fight over in Egypt to help others in neighboring countries or in neighboring Muslim countries to get to get them out of this restrict conditions they fall under. But it all falls under their culture and this is the way they are, this is how they live. But there should be more literacy literacy is very high and they need to they need to start this but you know uh we try but again <laughs> uh, hope one day it will happen hope one day it will happen i'm getting the impression then you hear the idea of like in
1: christianity where you have different denominations and how everybody has their particular interpretation of the bible and what it yes. means it sounds like it's pretty much kind of the same thing that's happening yes. in islam where depending on the country that you go to and the sects or part of islam they have their own interpretation and may take different things to different extremes right am i right in saying
0: that you are right in saying that Simon and also there are different uh, you know different practices and there are different you know like here in Christianity for instance we have Catholics, we have Pentecostals, we have uh, uh, Baptists the Orthodox. This yeah. and Orthodox. The same in, in the Islamic world. It's not the same it's not all the same. There are, there are Muslim, uh, Sunni Muslims, there are Shi'at Muslims, there are followers of different beliefs in Islam. And everyone has his or her own practice, and every country has it, its own practice. So you can generalize and you cannot generalize the entire Islam itself as to one faith and one practice And one idea that this is Islam, no. Islam is, again, I will repeat and I will continue to repeat and I will continue to repeat, it's peace. Peace. And for people who think or who don't know, I would highly appreciate they ask. They get close to people who can tell them, what it's all about, what are the differences, and how it's practiced, and what's the purpose. Because you cannot generalize, and this practice is not just for religion, it's for so many other things. We cannot generalize based on one scenario we see, and then say this is the entire Muslim community. No. Right. Or this is the entire Christian, or this is the entire Hindu as long as we understand that there is something called interfaith and there is something called respect and something called acceptance then we will move forward towards a better direction i would say
1: and i've heard from others that the white house and others in the dc area would call like the muslim community to come together and they would recognize certain Uh, important dates for the community, if if you will. So I know that much, but I don't know, like, on a day-to-day basis, like, what are other experiences uh, that people are having. For example, like, I can imagine after 9-11, it must not have been easy for people being here. I've heard from uh, Asian-Americans now who are saying, you know, stop the Asian hate because after COVID, there's been a lot of backlash towards the community So um, I don't know what your experience was or if you were even here after 9-11 during that first few months and years.
0: Oh, yeah, I was and I was working for the government and uh, I was overseas, as a matter of fact, when this happened. But definitely it didn't just change things uh, as far as your perspective, if I may say, about Muslims and Islamic nations, but it also changed the perspective of everything, a lot on many things. And yes, it did have an impact. And yes, I don't blame people because who did it and how did it happen and what happened? You know, the hate, you will find it everywhere. You will find it in every community, in every religion, in every person who does look different. It happens. Uh, did I face things like that? Yes. Was I able to confront? Yes. It's, it all depends on you and how you want to present yourself. Of course, of course, these things happen, you know, and of course, these things, I will not go out and I will not, you know, I mean, we are all different in the way we approach things. So yes, I am the kind of person when I get approached with things like that, I know how to answer. I know how to represent myself and represent my culture and represent my religion. But Like I told you, we are all different. And do you think that there are Muslims that I do not like their practices? Yes, there are. Do you think that there are no Muslims that I don't like the way they act or behave in this country? Yes, I do. Or represent themselves, but I can't change them. It's not for me to change them. It's for them to change themselves. And it's for them to respect the country they are living in. And I'm sure
1: you can find people from different parts of different communities who may express the very same thing too.
0: Yes, yes. So it's it's all about that person and all the reason and the presence of this person in like here in America. You, you did not come here to change America. You came here to benefit from America, to be a better person from America. And this is how I take it, whether I'm a Muslim or a Christian. I came here Because I did marry, and I came here because I wanted to be with him. I wanted to have a family with him, and thank goodness we had a family. We have a family of thirty-five years. So it is, it is how it's your mindset, you know. And you have to respect the culture. I didn't come here to enforce my culture. No, I came here to practice my culture freely and privately. Maha do you have anything additional you'd like to add as we
1: uh, try to educate our, our our listeners about Ramadan, Islamic culture and and uh experiences whether in the United States or around the world?
0: Yes, after you know a lot of people also are kind of confused about what it's all about the pilgrimage and going to Mecca, Saudi Arabia and doing the what we call in Arabic Hajj, Hajj which is the pilgrimage, which going and doing the uh, practices in uh, in Mecca. And this happens two months and 10 days after Ramadan. And it's a big deal because people go visit the holy places and they pray and they practice the hajj and they do the rituals. So this is also another practice and it happens as I mentioned, exactly, exactly 70 days after Ramadan. And uh, so those are the two big celebrations, Ramadan and Hajj. Ramadan and Hajj. It's another practice which is very, very peaceful and very, it's, and it's not for everyone. If you do it once in your lifetime, then you have accomplished something. I personally have not done it. I have not done this, but it is all about how you feel and how you want to go and how you want to do it. And if you have the health and the energy and the money to do it, you know, and to have the spiritual feeling and the heart that you're going there to just devote those few days for praying and for God and for becoming a better person. So this is what happens and what follows Ramadan to two months and 10 days after that. Egypt is such, like I mentioned, is such a diverse country. We love Christmas time. We love Easter. Easter is very special. And the celebration of Easter, particularly after Lent and the food, people celebrate, whether they're Christians or Muslim, they celebrate Easter in Egypt and and because it's springtime it refers to flowers and trees and nature and the beginning of the summer so they go out during easter and they color the eggs muslims christians no matter what faith they are everyone does that color eggs and 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 go out and and enjoy the day and barbecue and uh, just enjoy it so there are so many beautiful practices, and it's not limited to a certain belief or a certain faith. Everyone shares it, and everyone loves it.
1: I didn't realize that. I guess because you have, like you said, the Coptic Christians and uh, Muslims, so both practices seem to be celebrated just as much um, culturally among the people, right?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, so we see Easter here in the United States starts, I mean, like the Holy Week starts tomorrow. And I love to read and I love to know about these things because I love to extend a hand and say, Happy Easter or Happy Good Friday or Happy this, or, you know, so I read and I like to know. And there are a lot like me from my faith as well who do that because we grew up in such a different uh, diversity. On the other hand, we are celebrating this week here. In Egypt, it will be the Orthodox, is always a week behind, ahead, after. So in Egypt, it will be the week after we celebrate here. The same with Christmas, you know, the Orthodox Christians celebrate Christmas the 7th of January.
1: Interesting, it's, I guess it's the calendar. Is, there, is it because they're on a different calendar?
0: Yes. Like on a, the different calendars, yes. So they celebrate like the Eastern Europeans the, on the 7th of, uh, of uh, January. So uh, the more you read, the more you educate yourself, the more you will be able to expand your knowledge, expand your mind, and just share with others those experiences. And it is such a beautiful feeling when everyone is wishing everyone best wishes on their special feasts or their special celebrations. And so it's just a matter of educating ourselves. And, and I always say, if you don't know, ask. That's why I'm, I love that podcast, because we get to share that, Simone, and, and I'm very thankful for what you do. It's a great effort. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed learning
1: about um, (laughs) Ramadan. And yeah, it makes me want to go playing with the kids. I can't imagine like, you know, a whole 30 days. um, Well, I guess they get gifts at the end during Eid, right? But
0: yes, and, and they are taken care of and they can't, I mean, they can't when they are kids, they can't fast. They start fasting at an age where they can and they are able to because they will pass out. <laughs> they can't do it. I mean, let's, let's be, you know, more logic about it. And then I have also seen in the United States, including here where I am currently, there are mosques and they do a lot of activities with the children and with the families and with the uh, men and with the women. And it. It is such a nice feeling when you see the little kids running around or playing or decorating or coloring or enjoying or learning about the culture or sitting and reciting a verse of the holy book, you know, so it's, it's a joyful, spiritual, educational time at the same time. But you have to have the right mindset and you have to have the right thinking to practice it in a way where it is presented the way it should be.
1: How did you balance your culture? I'm not sure what culture your husband is from and then your your children. How did they they choose something else or or do they practice both?
0: Well, I left it open to everyone. In a Muslim country, when a uh, non-Muslim man marries a Muslim woman, They have to convert to the religion because it is, it's just, it's just, but, you know, to me, I always say what's in the heart is in the heart. What I see in front of me, I don't see a religion. I don't see a Muslim or a Christian or a Hindu or um, Jewish or whatever. I see a, a clear heart and I see a faithful person and I see a person who believes in one God. I have a lot of Muslim friends. I have a lot of Christian friends. I have many Jewish friends, many Hindu friends, and I have friends who don't believe, who are non-believers, you know? But as, as long as they are good people, to me, it's not my place or my right to tell them who they want to be. So for my husband, for my children, I left this open to everyone even if you converted to this religion, whatever is in your heart is in your heart. As long as you're a good person and as long as we're raising a family the way we should raise it. That's the way I look at it, uh, Simon. My kids are very highly educated. They are all working and they are making us proud. They are faithful people. They believe and they practice everything they do on a daily basis based on love and respect and based on what all the holy books told us to do, whether it's Christianity or Islam, or they, they taught us how to be good people. They taught us how to be honest people. They taught us how to be respectful people. So uh, I do not put any pressure on anyone to be or to follow me or to be what I am, because this is not for me to tell them. I love always to let people do what they want to do and choose because we live on the, in this life based on choice, not based on someone telling us what to do. And uh, as a mother, uh, I left this freedom to my kids. And whatever they are, I'm proud of them. Any final thoughts, Maha? My final thoughts is I want to tell everyone First of all, of course, to thank you very much for giving me this, this chance for the second time because it means a lot to me. And for anyone listening to this podcast, I really and truly thank you for joining us, for listening to the podcast. If you do have any comments, please send them to Simone if you have comments send them to me I'll be more than happy to answer them and I just wish everyone uh, peace on earth I wish everyone to get to know better and just remember what I just mentioned to Simone if you don't know ask don't make assumptions thank you thank you so much Maha for your time I hope you and your family stay safe over there thank you so much Simone and peace be upon thanks. you thanks Salem.
1: We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe and share with your friends, family and circle of influence.